0: ninjas calling all ninjas it's time for Lime Ninja Radio
1: today Lime Ninja Radio I was
2: I was shocked but I also I also felt validated in my symptoms because my symptoms were feeling worse and not that I want it to be going the other way but that was validated to what my body was communicating to me it just it just has been feeling like it's been firing in all cylinders and i i just try to say like thank you like i hear you like message received
1: this podcast is sponsored by the lyme ninja symptom tracker i'm so excited to tell you about our new lyme ninja symptom tracker One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the symptom tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com Radio tracker You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your host, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 242 with Michaela Herr. Also welcome our show producer, and most definitely the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora.
0: Hello, and in this episode, you're going to learn three main things. How art therapy can heal emotional damage caused by Lyme, how to identify your body's warning signs before you relapse, and why Plan B is critical to your Lyme journey.
1: Thanks, Aurora, and a big shout out to all you long-time Lyme ninjas, you're the reason we have half a million downloads, actually coming up on 600,000 now.
0: Uh, don't.
1: <laughs> we really appreciate you tuning in. And also, we'd like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lime Ninja Radio. If you're ever wondering how you become a Lime Ninja, you just have. All you have to do is listen. It's so easy.
0: And as you know, Lyme disease is an international problem. Each week we have listeners join you from all over the world. And this past week we've had listeners tune in from San Diego to St. Petersburg and from Santiago, Chile to St. Paul, Minnesota.
1: Thanks, Aurora. Please tell us a little bit more about today's guest, Michaela Herr.
0: Michaela Herr is an art therapist and teaches art therapy at Temple University. Her Lyme journey started with knee pain that eventually grew into almost total paralysis of her leg. After years of working with neurologists and orthopedic doctors, she still didn't have any answers. And it wasn't until an acupuncturist suggested Lyme disease that she retested and finally got a positive test. She is now undergoing treatment for Lyme. Now, McKay, why did you want to talk to Michaela?
1: Michaela contacted me a few days ago, and we just really hit it off. She is a wonderful personality. She has a very interesting Lyme story. And I think it highlights the importance on your Lyme journey of having a plan B. And I really want to begin to highlight the steps in a Lyme journey and having your Lime journey map planned out. So that when you hit road bumps, and come on, you're going to hit road bumps, right? If this would have been cured easily, you wouldn't be listening to the show. You'd be out doing whatever normal people do without Lyme disease. What do normal people do?
0: Pick green beans. How about that? <laughs>
1: That's going on right now outside our window. It's funny. We've got the octogenarians picking green beans and the young people are inside reporting mm-hmm. a, recording a podcast.
0: Yes. How very Is millennial Is that elder love-
1: abuse? <laughs> How
0: very millennial of us.
1: Of you. Yep. I'm not octogenarian, but uh-huh. definitely not a millennial.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Anyway,
1: where were So the the point is, and we get into this in the, uh, the episode, even if you're convinced the road you're on is the right one and it's working most of the time, get your plan B in place. That way, if you do hit a roadblock or come to a complete screeching halt and things aren't completely healed, you're not 100% yet, there's not the trauma that it deals with it. It's like you know, okay, this is a roadblock and you have a little bit of an upset and you move on. But if you haven't don't have a plan B in place, then things are really much rougher than they need to be. We all have plan Bs when you pull out of the driveway in your car if you're still driving. When you pull out of the driveway in your car, you've got insurance. That's your plan B, right? That's your plan B if you have AAA. That's a plan B, right? We have these built in our lives, but we don't in the medical community. Your practitioner may have a plan B in mind, right? But you need to have one beyond that practitioner. You need to have a second practitioner, a second protocol, a second plan in place. And then the other thing, once you have your plan A and plan B in place, you can stop spending hours on the internet researching Lyme disease. You really can. You can let it go, let your heart open up, move on, begin healing, and create a life for where you are right now. Okay, so that's why I want to talk to Michaela. Plus, she's just really cool. And you're going to find that out right now. Here's our interview with Michaela Herr. Hello, Michaela. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio.
2: Hi, McKay. How are you?
1: I am doing pretty good, and I'm very excited. Yeah, thanks. I'm very excited to speak with you.
2: Thank you. Thanks.
1: You called, well, you contacted me last mm-hmm. week, and then we had a great conversation yesterday, and I was so intrigued by your story. I thought, you know, I got to get back in touch with Michaela, and we need to get her story out there, because even though the specifics are unique to you, it's such a common theme, People with Lyme disease and how they have to really take the bull by the horns and really wrestle with everything the disease, their doctors, their own feelings to really get a hold of it. So that's why I want to talk to you. Sound good?
2: Sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. I'm here just shaking my head. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I wish I could see you. I can imagine it's like, yep, (laughs) up and down. Yep. Now, You have an interesting job. Will you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Sure. So I'm an art therapist, and a lot of people kind of put their head to the side and say, what's art therapy? And uh, it's essentially using art as a healing tool and an instrument to help people with various challenges in their life. I started studying this at 18, and uh, I've been helping children and teens and families uh, since 2011. And I use art to help people facilitate, uh, you know, some safety, some expression, communication, healing, connection, expression, all that good stuff. Uh, and it looks different for everyone and you use the various amount of materials and, uh, really have people share their story. Cause sometimes it's really hard to walk into a office and just sit on a table and share your story. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Sit on a table, line brain, sit on a chair and share your story. Um, So, you know, when somebody comes in on the couch and it's just there, sometimes it can be a little overwhelming because it's taken so much for somebody to come into my office. And so I use art as an invitation and a way to connect and a way for them to safely express themselves.
1: There was that research that was done. You don't hear so much about it. Now, but definitely did twenty, fifteen years ago about the different areas of the brain, right? Different types mm-hmm. of intelligences, and it just absolutely. makes sense, right?
2: Yeah, we've, absolutely.
1: We've interviewed one cartoonist who <laughs> kind okay. of works through his lime by making cartoons. Quite a few people have written books as a way to really kind of get a handle of what they're thinking and feeling about Lyme disease. And music is another one. I don't know Mm -hmm. if we've had an artist. So I have to ask, have you used art for yourself?
2: 100%. Absolutely. I do a lot of um, vision boards. And what I like to do is I visualize um, my healing and I visualize healing well. And I visualize um some type of image that I want to connect to that I'm um just kind of tapping into and trying to channel. And I don't do a lot of visualizations and those types of things, but absolutely I make art and and try to manifest and create and, and symbolize um where I wanna be. And sometimes I make art when I'm really angry. And um, <laughs> angry art? You know I love it. <laughs> it's some, some angry art, you know, and uh and then I rip it up or, you know, safely burn it if that's the case, you know, because there's a lot of catharsis that can happen in not only creating but also destroying when you have a lot of feelings around the challenges around this disease. It, it can weigh you down. And so I think sometimes there's also such a narrative in our head that we can get kind of like a, this, you know, CD that goes around and around in our minds um, just playing over and over again. And of the similar narrative or whatever story we've created. And a lot of times that story isn't accurate. um, And so I like to kind of get out of that narrative in my head and create something so I can look at it outside of my mind, you know, and visualize it and work on um, moving through it instead of it playing over and over.
1: I've used techniques to express anger I find some patients are stuck because they have anger that's just unexpressed and it's difficult to find a safe way, literally safe for themselves and safe for other people in their relationships. I'm not suggesting people are going to, you know, pick up a knife or baseball bat and chase people around, but they're really angry. And some, some people, it's they're the close to. Sometimes it's figures from the past. Sometimes it's nameless faces, forces. And I've had people break things. Most recently, a watermelon. Oh wow! <laughs> and really go out back and smash a. She took a little bit of encouragement. She finally took the watermelon up back, and I got a text saying, "Oh, that was so awesome."
2: Yeah, it feels. <laughs> it feels amazing. I've never, yeah. yeah,
1: I've never thought about angry art. I think next time absolutely. I'm going to recommend some angry art.
2: I love that. It's a great, it's a great advice. And, and I've taken clay vessels before and shape yeah. them and uh, smash those. And that's really cathartic as well. You know, absolutely.
1: Let's pause here and dive deeper into this. Cause for my training with five element acupuncture, it really helps put some context on this. As most people say, I've had people say, I don't do anger, right? Or you want to avoid anger mm. or getting angry and soothing it's the right way. But if you understand kind of the lizard brain, the limbic system, it, mm-hmm. you're, you have anger and specifically unexpressed anger. That's a constant drain. That's a constant stressor that's going to make you sick or prevent you from healing because – I like to say an emotion's a reflex. It's like hitting your knee with that when the doctor does the hammer thing on your knee and your knee just bounces right. up, your leg like, fell. An emotion is like that. It's not thought, it happens instantly. And really, it doesn't last that long. It's a thunderstorm, maybe, right? Unless you nurture the emotion. like. And so we label emotions good or bad. We like certain ones, especially joy, right? Love. Or sympathy is okay. We can have that around. We want to avoid fear. We definitely want to avoid anger, and we kind of have this oh, yeah. sense that you know grief is painful but necessary. So what happens? It's like an it's like an animal. So th- when an animal has an emotion, watch. You know, if they get scared, they act scared. If they're angry, they act angry, and then it's gone because they expressed it but we're humans and we have all these complicated racial relationships and we can suppress it, right? Because it's not appropriate at the moment. And that's where we get in trouble after that gets bottled up for years and years.
2: It does. It really does. And anger gets a bad rep. And I, I deal with a lot of that, you know, with the clients and patients that I see. Um, but I absolutely agree. Um, you know, anger, You know, a lot of people are are scared of even talking about that. And there's still a lot of stigma around so much about feelings that aren't, you know, butterflies and rainbows. And it's great when we do feel those things and let's be in those joys and and really celebrate it when we're in it. But we also have to acknowledge and be mindful of moments where things aren't great. And to sit in that and to be in that anger and to work through that and to be in the sadness and to to feel that and and do what you need to work with it and work through it. And not just instantly, you know, because we live in a world where instantaneously we want things to be better, we want to work through things. um, But it teaches us to be mindful and really pay attention to like, whoa, where am I feeling anger? Where am I getting stuck with the sadness or wherever it is, you know, and just paying attention to all of that.
1: Yeah, that's so great. And in Chinese medicine, they layer of physiology on top of it, So they say anger is expressed particularly, well, it's not directly, but I'm, I'm making this simple, in the joints and eyesight. So when you have bottle-up angers, you can have severe damage to your joints or even eyesight. So it's kind of interesting. And actually energy flaring up too. So you can get things like nosebleeds, uh, Headaches, mm-hmm. you know, eventually red eyes, things like that. And in, in horrible cases, really severe cases, leads to things like strokes. So, this uncontrolled sure. energy rushing up. And what's also interesting is anger is also the force of springtime. So, birth, creativity, mm-hmm. new ideas. Mm-hmm. So, if you're squishing anger, you're also squishing those forces as well.
2: Absolutely. Definitely. People just need that space, you know, and people just need to be honored with whatever story it is that they are they have, or whatever story that they feel like they've been told to push down, or suck up, or man up. So Those phrases that I really can't stand, um, you know, these these things that in our culture that we're told, you know, to just avoid, you know, instead of looking at and working through them.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important to say, especially with what's happened over the past week is that we're not talking about inappropriate expression of anger right and no not really, at all yeah and and what we're actually talking about is helping working through and figuring out an appropriate expression because a lot of the reasons this anger is ex- expressed is because it was inappropriate right the feelings that they had or the thoughts person had at the time just you know you just can't punch your fill in the blank in the face
2: <laughs> absolutely yeah you know. safe, safe safety first. Absolutely. It yeah. you know, works through it safely and appropriately.
1: Okay. Now tell us a little bit about your Lyme story.
2: All right. <laughs> um, so I, my story begins with Lyme around 2015, about four years ago, I was a collegiate tennis player and I graduated in, A few years before 2015, but hadn't uh, hadn't been. I graduated in
1: 1986, so you're safe.
2: Wonderful. Okay, I'm safe. (laughs) Woo! I'm good. Um, I'm good. So, yeah, so I was playing tennis again after not playing for a few years and was really excited and felt really good to be on the court again. And, you know, one day I just had really bad knee pain in my left knee. And I just thought, oh, that's, that's odd, you know, and didn't think much of it and continued to play, of course. And then it got worse and worse and worse. And so I, I went to a regular doctor and they said that I had runner's knee and that I needed to rest. And so I did. And then I kept feeling worse and, and worse and worse. And so eventually I, I honestly almost couldn't walk. I, I got into, uh, I drove myself to an orthopedic, uh, you know, place and, and, and said, like, there is something severely wrong with my knee. Um, They did MRIs, they did x-rays, you know, the whole gamut of everything. And then I met with an orthopedic surgeon and he, you know, was convinced that I had a brain tumor um, because he couldn't understand from a sore knee after my nerve stopped working, I guess I should say that my nerve and my thigh stopped (laughs) working. That's a bit of a leap. (laughs) Well, Yeah. So after, after having knee pain for a few months, my nerve in my left thigh stopped working. Mm. So I couldn't, I couldn't extend my leg. I couldn't do a single leg raise. I would look at my leg and tell it to move, and it didn't. And that was the single scariest moment of my life. And um, so I kept going to more and more doctors, and then the orthopedic uh, surgeon I met with uh, about my knee asked me to do a single leg raise. And I told him, listen, I, I can't do that. I'm I'm telling my brain is telling my legs to move and it can't. Um, and so I was kind of flagged in his mind as like, oh my goodness, like this person, let's run every test in the book. I had every MRI, brain, knee, back, you know, everything was run. And he was finally worried after a month of me telling him I'm worried and something is off and you know we always we know our bodies better than anyone else and I think that um being younger I don't know if I was taken seriously um, until he realized I couldn't lift my leg Um, then it became a big deal to him so um and he had some pretty terrible bedside manner and heard terrible things and all the things that it could be MS and uh, and this brain tumor that he thought that I might have. And so it was very, very scary. And, um, so after months of, of rehab, I came back, my brain was okay and clear and no brain tumor. Thank God. Um, they tested me for Lyme disease. It came back negative. Uh, they were kind of baffled and they weren't really sure. And i say they as in like my PCP at the time I went to see a neurologist, um, you know, the orthopedic surgeon, nobody really knew what was wrong. And, and eventually my neurologist said, you know what, sometimes these things just happen. And, and I said, I mean, okay. (laughs) And so I just kind of went along with my life and it eventually healed a little bit and, and got better. And I continued to get better until I didn't. And about a year later, um, I was boxing, actually, because I was wanting to try something else. I thought, all right, maybe I'll just use my arms and not use my legs because I love, you know, love a good workout. And, uh, and that knee started, started hurting again. So, uh, you know, checked it out and still wasn't working well. And then I was working at a summer camp for children with special needs and I got a concussion. Um, you know, one of the kids accidentally kicked me in the face. So that then made my symptoms a lot worse and uh, I went to a physical therapist and then I went to an acupuncturist and finally the acupuncturist said, I think that you might have Lyme disease. After a couple of our treatments, I was really itchy all over. You know, I had a lot of tingling in my legs, a lot of tingling and and, uh, itchiness after I really did much like hiking or walking or any type of treatments from... From her, it's I just was itchy, and I'd never experienced that before. So were you itchy all re-tested. over,
1: or just where the needles were?
2: Just, um, I was itchy just where the needles were. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, so yeah, and then I, uh, you know, slowly have have started to, you know, I finally got the official diagnosis. I guess last summer um, they did the more extensive testing. And it came back positive. And, so let,
1: let's pause there for a second yeah. that's important. So you're going to an acupuncturist, which makes some sense yeah. for your knee and your leg and right. the concussion thing. And your acupuncture says, hmm, I think you have Lyme. So did you immediately get a new test? How did that work?
2: Um. So that's, that whole thing really freaked me out because she just kind of looked into my soul. And at that moment, I kind of just, it was odd. I, I just kind of knew that I had that. Uh, it was after like three years of not knowing what was wrong with my leg or my knee. And so I had been seeing a, uh, a chiropractor just to help with the, you know, just functioning of my knee and, and making sure everything was working okay. And so he's pretty holistic in his approach. And so I asked him, uh, you know, maybe a couple of days later, like, Hey, I think I might have this. And he was like, well, let's see. And, You put in, you know, for extensive testing and it came back positive. So uh, within a couple of weeks after she said that, you know, I I really started thinking and and that was scary to me. But it also was an opening to say, wow, I actually kind of know what might be wrong. And then we can be treating it now that we have an idea of, of what's causing this.
1: Changes everything. Yeah.
2: Changes everything. Absolutely. I mean. Absolutely. Changes everything. Yes.
1: So now you've got your diagnosis and where do you go for treatment after that? Because again, acupuncture helpful, but you need herbs or something like that. And the chiropractor can't give you antibiotics. So what did you do?
2: Right. So I went to my PCP and I, at the time she was, um, you know, super open and really helpful. And so I went and she said, you know, we're going to put you on some antibiotics. And I said, I don't know, I've done all this research now. And I don't know if antibiotics is the best, the best route, but I I decided to do it anyway, because I just kept getting worse and worse. And so I figured at least I can start there and start somewhere. And so I got on antibiotics, and I just did a ton of research, I went to the library, I read everything, you know, Total binge, unfortunately, because you talk about having like an information diet. I, I overdid it and, and really went into all these things as far as treatments and who was the best and what protocol and all that stuff. Um, so anyways, I, I then started seeing someone in Connecticut um, and got on to uh, the Cowden protocol, the modified Cowden protocol, I guess I should say. Sounds yes. So let's
1: let's yeah. pause there because you bring up a real good point because I am a fan of information diet but that's after you've got your plan in place. It's like right. you need to research your plan. I fully believe in that. The thing that happens though is then we keep on going and start second guessing and third guessing and fourth guessing right? So you know, well once you've made the decision you're looking to support it and unfortunately you know, how many billion websites are out there? How many billion blogs? And right. they all have a point of view. And usually half support what you want and the other half don't. And it's like the diet yeah. books. You go to every diet book in Barnes and Noble, right? They're all exactly the right. same. All exactly mm-hmm. the same. And one could be like eat only fig leaves and the other is eat only eggs, but they've got the same format. Yeah. This right, exactly. Diet saved my life. I lost 300 pounds and all my numbers are better and right. it's perfect. And they all say the same thing. And basically, what that's pointing to is everybody's biochemically different. There's biochemical individuality and one size does not fit all. And so there, we do need to research. But once you've got that sense, it's like you, when you heard Lyme disease. And you just knew deep in your soul, it's like, yep, that's it.
2: Yeah, I was like, oh, man, right? yep. At, at some yeah. point, we
1: know, you know, we can feel that too with some of these treatments. Like, I really want to try, fill in the blank, you know, Rife, Cowden, uh, right. whatever, my Buner, Rawls' work. You know, I want to go get IV antibiotics. That's what I want to do. I know that's what I need. Well, good. That's what you need to then do and get organized around Okay, so Absolutely. thanks for bringing that up. That's an important point. Yeah. Oh, so now you're in Connecticut getting treated.
2: So now I'm in Connecticut, and I, you know, I started getting better and started feeling uh, better as in, like, less tingly. That's a lot of my symptoms. with a lot of neurological things. My knee actually started feeling pretty strong and good for the first time in a few years, and uh, uh, so I, I really was excited. And so around April... I started, you know, doing a little bit of March and April. I started doing a little bit of like gentle rock climbing and a little bit of some yoga. And I was just starting to feel. Wait, wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. Gentle rock climbing. (laughs) I
2: know. (laughs) Is that like little rocks? (laughs) Pebbles, they're pebbles, yeah, I don't believe uh, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. I'm saying, and he, I was like, he's going to call me out on that. Uh, yeah, nothing yep. too wild. I wasn't wasn't jumping or doing too high impact. Of so they're not
1: making movies about you.
2: No, yeah, no, no, yeah, no. No free, no free solo climbing, on El Capitan, yeah, yeah. or
1: whatever they do, right? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. I get None it. of that. I'm just None teasing you.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was in the end of a yoga class and I was feeling really good and my knee started tingling and and that was around May and I was like, "Uh-oh. Uh, you know, that's that's my sign that yeah. something is, is not quite right in my body. It's it's a sign that I I I don't want to say I fear it, but I there is fear there. So I fear that sign, but I'm also grateful for it because it's an indicator of something not being right in my body and I'm trying my best to connect with my my body and make sure that we're on, you know, we're in this together. We're fighting this um, together. Cause I think for a while, at least for me, I was such an active person. um, I had a lot of frustration around my body. It's like, why can't you do this? Why can't we fight this? You know? And it was a lot of me versus my body. And until recently it's become, great. That's information. If you're going to tingle, that's helpful for me and for us as a, as a team to keep fighting this and, and move forward with that information. You know, that's
1: so a, I, that's an yeah. awesome point because as an yeah. athlete, a lot of time, our body is actually a hindrance and the signal it's yeah. giving us isn't life or death, right? It's not, it's just an annoyance and we learn to push through. I should say you, haven't been an athlete in a hundred years, but people learn to push through and when you're sick, it's the opposite, right? Like you learned with your tingling in your leg. That's not, eh, it'll be better in a couple of days. It's like, uh uh-oh, we know what this is leading to. Now, and in looking back, were there any triggers that accumulated and brought this back on, do you think?
2: I'm not sure I mean, I don't want to say that I was completely out of the woods in March or April. I just feel like I was still I was still working towards it because I would still get very tired after you know doing doing some general rock climbing uh, or doing some yoga. It would still take a little bit out of me, so I don't looking back, I think I was probably my mind was a few steps further than my body, and I wasn't quite there yet as far as, as, you know, working out to the way that I, I really wanted to start doing that again. So Um, maybe you just
1: pushed a little too hard.
2: Maybe I pushed too hard. I don't don't really know. Um, Okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. You weren't in a
1: car accident, you know, major emotional upset, nothing like that.
2: No, nothing like that. Nothing like that.
1: Sometimes it doesn't have to be a lot. You know, even something like fighting off a virus, right? You pick up a virus and in normal situations we just get a few sniffles or even an allergic response to something, right? There's pollen in the air where we usually get some itchy eyes or something like that. When you have an infection like Lyme disease and your immune system responds differently and the Lyme's hanging out on the porch waiting waiting to break out, so to speak, it doesn't take much.
2: Oh, yeah. It's always up for... A party sometimes, so it's it's always looking for something. That's a t shirt. (laughs) Lyme disease, always up
1: for a party.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It is, it's up for a party, it's up for no good. You know,
1: totally no good.
2: Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, that's my story. I mean, and I, I just retested, and my levels have been going up, so it, I mean. The past couple of weeks have been hard.
1: Yeah. If you don't mind, I'd like to talk about this because this is one of the main points I wanted to get across. Because here you are, typical Lyme story, right? And don't mean to to dismiss that. It's just, it's, it's this pattern, right? You know, it's like modern art looks like modern art and classical art looks like classical art. So, you know, it's been a while. You finally get diagnosed. You get treatment. You're feeling better. You have a setback. But not only is it a setback in symptoms, it's like you get retested and it's like, wait a minute, my load, my bacterial load is actually worse. And I've been at this now for how long have you been treating?
2: A year. Yeah. Well,
1: a, year. a year. It's not supposed to go in that direction. It's so, not. how did you deal with that? <laughs> like how, mentally, did you go back to your art? How did, and, and I mean, kind of how this resolved a little bit as you ended up calling contacting me right yeah so like what what process did you go through and how did you get to the point it's like okay i have to take the bull by the horns again
2: i was i was shocked but i also i also felt validated in my symptoms because my symptoms were feeling worse and not that i want it to be going the other way but that was validating to what my body was communicating to me that, uh, you know, that my body was tingling at rapid speed without me, you know, even looking at chocolate or anything that I shouldn't be ingesting. So it just was on, it just, it just has been feeling like it's been firing in all cylinders. And I, I just try to say like, thank you. Like I hear you like message received. And I started researching again, but I mean, until I get, before I get into all of that, I mean, obviously it's been a huge setback and it's been very frustrating. And I have, you know, I'm a therapist myself and I'm such an advocate for other people to have therapists. And so I have an incredible therapist who we do a lot of energy and movement work with um, because I do my own art Therapy, so to speak, outside of working with him, but I work with him in the capacity of moving energy and screaming and hitting things safely. Like I can put on gloves and box it out with him. Um, he holds the space for us to process verbally and then also move energy and and anything that I want to say. Like he'll help me visualize Lyme disease and yell at it and say all the things that I want to say to it and get it out and. Um, you know, really fully, like, release that because I think a lot of it gets, at least for me, it was really pent-up fear because I didn't know what was wrong with me for three years. And so I, now that I have this diagnosis, now that I know what's going on, I'm able to speak to it. I'm able to, yes, this is a setback, but now move forward and say, like, okay, what I was doing isn't working. This sucks. (laughs) And let's just be in that and feel what I feel about it and then you know keep researching and seeing what else I can do and who else I want to see and and other resources I mean it 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 forces me to tap into the deepest darkest parts of my soul and my faith and to you know reach out to my support system who I you know have a great family and friends support system and and just you know really surround myself with people that get it. And if they don't, they're at least supportive and, and show their love and, and care for me. So, you know, onward and upward, I'm just trying to stay positive mentally because this disease not only can destroy you from the inside out physically, you know, it takes a toll mentally a hundred percent. So I'm, I'm such an advocate for people to have their own therapist and, and work through this because there's a lot that comes up and the journey, you know, healing does not occur in a straight line with this disease and diagnosis. It just doesn't.
1: Right. It's not a knee replacement.
2: No, no, it's not. And at one point I even thought, should I do that? You know, I'm in my early thirties and it's like, I can't believe I was even thinking about that before I got the diagnosis. Cause my knee was, you know, so inflamed and and so angry and so um hurting, and I, I mean, you you go to these really extreme places in your mind sometimes because you're just wanting there to be a fix or for it to be better. Yeah, but
1: it's I'm going to defend that train of thought that you had. It's not extreme based on what you knew at the time. I mean, they exactly. We've you know we've got a we're in a little bitty town up here in Central New York, and we've got a very well known. Uh, the orthopedic surgeon who specializes in knees and hips actually now but mm. and he was you know basically the hospital system said uh, name your price we'll build you whatever you want just please stay and don't move to a bigger city so uh, he got ex- everything he wanted and he's happy and he stays here and he does you know dozens of these things every week and so it's a common thing really common sure. and it's if there's sure. damage but that's because he didn't have the right diagnosis. All of a sudden you get exactly. the right diagnosis and you look back and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe I was going to chop my knee off.
2: Exactly. Yeah, um, it's wild. It's wild. You
1: know, and thank goodness for your acupuncturist and wherever she was channeling that information, whether it's,
2: absolutely,
1: you know, some like obsession that I have. You know, I see Lyme To di- you know, and everybody in my mind is Lyme <laughs> disease. It's bad. You walk through the mall, you walk through anywhere, Old Navy, Walmart, it's like, you've got Lyme, you've got Lyme, you've got Lyme, right? It's awful. Right. Those lime green right. glasses. But on the yeah. other hand, you know, sometimes we're right.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I also want
1: to bring up one of the things, so you brought up. Going on a information diet, which I think is very important. The other thing we're promoting is having plan B. So always yes. have mm-hmm. a plan B. So it takes some of the emotional pain from failure away because you're going into, Absolutely. you know, you're going into your, okay, we're going to give this a year try. What with the people at the Connecticut? And if it doesn't work, I'm going to do this. So then you have, okay, here's the pass fail moment how are we doing? You know, it's either yes, no, or maybe, maybe you can make a choice to go on or stop, but if it's not working, you say, thank you very much. Do you have anything else, you know, that we're going to do? Where's our plan B that, that you have or you may need to go to another practitioner plan B. And then it's just another road bump. I mean, it's not a day to celebrate, but it's not,
2: Oh my God. Right. Absolutely. You can't look at it as it's a setback, but it's, it's not a failure, you know, it's it's yeah. something that I tried and it worked for a little and now it's not. And so absolutely, you know, you gotta move forward and and I think at the beginning too, I mean your mind my mindset has just continued to change throughout this. Um, you know, when I first got the diagnosis and then going to Connecticut, I was like, all right, this is this is my plan. Like this is gonna help this is this is this is this is it for me. Like I just need to do this. Right. And then after that, I'll be fine. Yep. Quote unquote. Um, And I agree with plan D because it's absolutely, you know, you're setting yourself up for something that it's good to have it in your mind of what could happen if you need it. And if you don't awesome, but if you do, knowing that you haven't put all your eggs in one doctor's basket or one protocol basket or yeah. one approach basket.
0: That's just it's
1: smart. I mean, we all have insurance on our homes and our cars. Nobody goes out, pulls out of the driver and says, I'm going to get in an accident today. You know, so I'm going to buy insurance. No, you have insurance and you don't want to get it in an accident. So right. having a plan B is just the insurance. You want your first choice to work. But life is messy sometimes. And so now that you've got these other ideas, I'm going to encourage you, okay, keep going and you need a plan C, <laughs> right?
2: Yeah, so, right. You know,
1: keep keep working, keep researching. I know we talk quite a bit about what you're going to do next, but it's like, okay, now you've got that kind of figured out. Don't stop until you have your plan C, right? And we'll, we'll call that B2 or whatever you want to call it. And then, right, right, then you right. can go on the information diet, right? and and do
2: something
1: else. But until you've got that that other plan, keep going.
2: Amen. Yeah. Yes. You just got to keep going. I mean, absolutely. I mean, we're all, you know, when I first listened to your podcast a year ago, when I had just gotten diagnosed, I was driving to the beach to visit my aunt. I remember this. I was going to North Carolina. I listened to one of your podcasts for the first time. And I was like, Warrior? I don't know about that. You know, like I've been through like a lot of things, I guess. And man, do I get it now? And do I absolutely feel like a warrior? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Because this disease just tests every aspect of your mind, body, spirit, soul, everything. And you are a warrior to go through it. Absolutely. So I feel like one now. Um, because I get it and I get the idea of Uh, you know, I just thought like, Oh, once I have a diagnosis, like I'm good and this can get better and it can, you know, but again, healing does not happen in a straight line and mine has been squiggles and dots and, you know, flashes of color and, you know, all the things that, that happen on the way. So definitely not a straight line.
1: Michaela, you've been very generous with your time. I appreciate you sharing your story. I know it's going to inspire and help a lot of people out there. Just like when you listened in the beginning, uh, you were helping awesome. by people so. sharing their stories. So thank you very much.
2: You're so welcome. I hope so. Thank you so much, McKay. Take care.
0: This was such a nice interview. And you know, we haven't, Talked recently about really how traumatic being sick with Lyme disease is and how helpful it can be to talk to somebody about that just so those bad things don't fester in your brain. And I think what Michaela is doing for herself is really powerful, both with the art therapy and with talk with finding a therapist for herself as well.
1: I agree so much with you, Aurora you know the the art therapy or therapy itself can really fit into the first phase of your Lyme journey and the first phase phase needs to be reengaged at any time you get seriously stuck it's like you need to go and reboot you know that's the first reboot resolve the infections and then restore your health those are the three main phases in a Lyme journey and any time you get up really stuck things aren't going well for whatever reason, you hit a crisis, it's very helpful to reboot. And this art therapy or having a therapist can really move you through those things. I I just can't emphasize that enough. Being chronically ill has an emotional component as well as a physical component. You know, that can happen also in a traumatic accident, like a car accident it can have a physical, um, emotional component too, right? People are scared to go back in the car and drive or having nightmares and things like that. But in something that's chronic and wears on you for months and months and months, it's a whole nother ball game. And you have to take care of that side of the illness. So thanks for bringing that to the forefront, or That's really insightful okay if you want to get a graphic organizer to help organize your Lyme journey visit our website radio.com. it's free also there we have our Lyme symptom tracker and that's really useful you fill it out once a month that gives you an idea are you on your path on your Lyme journey heading out of the wilderness or did you
0: take a detour or did
1: you take a detour right and we believe that Measuring it once a month is about right. There's so many twists and turns, ups and downs with the Lyme journey that if you're doing this daily and even weekly, you can be overwhelmed and really get lost in all these data points. But checking in once a month seems just about right. Get a really good overview, a satellite view. Yes, you're heading in the wrong direction or no. In fact, there's been three months and things are getting worse. It's kind of like in Michaela's stories, like she's been in treatment for a year and the numbers that she has now are are worse. And her symptoms are getting worse. So that's you know, that's important data. That's important data to have and to realize, oh, wait a minute, we need to pause here and reboot and start again. Yes. Also oh, go ahead.
0: If you have feedback or suggestions for guests or anything, email us at feedback at LimeNinja Radio dot com.
1: And if you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, hit the subscribe button. That way you will not miss an episode.
0: And if you really like what we're doing, leave us a review on your podcast app. It helps us reach more people like you.
1: And last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day.
0: Did you know the ninja calendar goes straight from March 31st to April 2nd? No one fools a ninja. (laughs)